Hi there, and welcome to our podcast, Art City Amsterdam. From Rembrandt to Dumas and from Leijsen to McQueen, Amsterdam has long been home to some of the world's most important artists. In our podcast, we will provide you a taste of art in this remarkable city. Together with our special guests, we will take you on a walk through the art scene of Amsterdam. We, your hosts, Rubia Balsam and Joost Bosland, speak to artists, curators, politicians and collectors about what they love about the city. Whether you're a longtime resident or planning your first visit, this podcast will inspire you to explore new and familiar corners of the Amsterdam art world. So before we start this special episode, we would like to mention that we are particularly proud to host the next generation of global art dealers. Christian and Curtis, founders of Avant Arte, started selling art editions only six years ago. Based right here in Amsterdam, they already manage an international staff of three dozen and have accumulated a modest two million followers on Instagram. And to introduce the duo, here's our mutual friend Hans-Ulrich Opis, director of the Serpentine Galleries in London. Hi everyone, we are on Art City Amsterdam and it is extremely exciting to introduce Avant Arte, the amazing activity of Christian and Curtis, whom I met, yeah, I would say about five years ago. And uh, I think the generosity of their practice, the way also how Avant Arte really democratizes art and uh, develops new circuits, no? In a way, new circuits for art so that new um, generations and uh, people who all of us might never have encountered contemporary art can be in touch with it. It's formidable. Uh, and I think it really creates a situation which is great for Amsterdam, but also for the world, because it's obviously through its online activity, a truly global activity. I think the edition part is, of course, an important aspect because uh, it's a further possibility to to democratize art, to make art more accessible. But then, of course, also the Instagram account and also the publications. But I must say that from all the conversations uh, I've had with Christian Curtis, we just always talk about studio visits and, and this idea uh, of um, going to young emerging artist studios, to artists of many different generation studios. We always exchange, yeah, uh, experiences of studio visits. And I think, yeah, I think curiosity Curare has many different meanings. J.G. Bala called it junction making. And at the same time, of course, it has to do with to take care of. And then at the same time, it's a word which is certainly too often used now. So we need neologisms. But I always love the idea that it has to do with curiosity, no? And I think curiosity is the driving force of our arte. I think curiosity is the engine. Yeah, it has only just begun. So we're sitting here at Avant Arte headquarters, one of the largest art businesses in the Netherlands. They've been flying under the radar for some time, at least locally, though internationally, they've very much been on many people's radar. Two young guys who started selling artist editions, I think about six years ago, and in a very short span of time have become probably world leaders in their segment. So, Curtis, Christian, thank you for making time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's an honor to sit here and speak to you guys about the thing you've built around us, but also the city of Amsterdam, where both of you work. I actually don't know if you guys live here. We'll get to that later on. It's an obvious place to start, but you guys are quite young. I would say 26, 27, isn't it correct? Yes. yes. And Christian, it's your birthday next week, right? Yes, 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 it is. So how are you going to celebrate it? I'm not a big birthday celebrator, but 
I'm, I'm going actually with Curtis to an artist in Spain, to visit, because we did a really big collaboration with him and we never celebrated the, the great result uh, from that. So we're going to, to him and his wife and going to eat dinner there. So I think we're going to celebrate it there. Maybe he takes some days off and <laughs> going to have some fun in Spain uh, this weekend. And people can't hear where we're sitting, but we're sitting in your executive lounge, which I know you guys put in the window behind us so you can sort of see the work being done, the product taking shape and being shipped all over the world. Do you spend a lot of time up here? Well, I think we're in between. We're here some days a week and some days we're sitting somewhere else. But we really enjoy to have like be in the space where the artworks are that we sell because you can really feel what we are doing. And at the end of the day, we also want to see what the end product looks like and where does it go to. So, yeah, we spend quite a lot of time. Yeah, it's kind of like sometimes being a kid in a candy store here yeah. when all the new additions are coming in from the producers or the new boxing is being done and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of it's a quite an inspiring space. Indeed, what Curtis said to really feel the work and see it in real life. I think maybe your colleagues sometimes find us annoying because when a box comes in, uh, we just take the screwdriver and try and open the box to see the new works that come in. But <laughs> they, they have the planning, so sometimes we have to leave it until they open it. Because you're so curious yeah. about what's, what's <laughs> yeah. inside of it. But how does it work between the both of you? Because do you have like some different kind of roles you yeah. with the approach? and. Can you describe it a bit? So Christian uh, mostly takes care of the artist side of her business. So he uh, goes to the studios, does studio visits uh, and signs the artists. And I take care of the collector side of her business. So I mainly handle our top collectors, make sure they get the pieces they want and make sure that we meet the top of the top of the collectors. So that's our role uh, in between the business. And at the beginning, we basically did everything, I think. Uh, uh, maybe Christian did less packing because he's not really <laughs> handy, but uh, <laughs> we even did packing and, and moved ourselves in a way that we know what we, we liked. And uh, yeah. Chris likes to do that and I like to do uh, selling. So that's Yeah, so I think it's basically, yeah, you have, I mean, in the artworks, you have the artist side and you have the collector side, the demand and supply side. And that's kind of like how we kind of divide it up. Any quarrels between both of you happened? Yeah, many. many. <laughs> You see, yeah. his, you see his blue eyes still? No, 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 just kidding. No, yeah, no, of course. If you, I think if, you're, if you don't fight with each other or like don't argue with each other, you can never develop yourself in the way you want to. And sometimes like we, we as a person also have to develop ourselves in a way of communicating. We both came from, like when we started this, I think I was 19 or like 20. Like this is a different, like from school to this, to where you are now and the people you meet and, and the involvement of, of your, your brain and the communication way you've done so. We learned to know each other better and also to how to work best with each other and yeah. able to make sure that this will be a success. Yeah, so I think also like you, we, are, we were getting, we are like in a roller coaster also. And uh, you kind of get lost, you, you lose each other sometimes or something. But I think we are like, we are best friends and like, we kind of made it from, from something to something. But we are still best friends and I think that's quite special. That's the whole thing. You can like, the only way you can... The only person you actually can talk with, of course, you can speak to people of uh, what you do, and, but the only person you really can talk to about what we've done and we've seen each other, I think, more than my girlfriend, <laughs> is like Christian. So you learn from each other and you, of course, get in fights, but that's how you also grow into where we are now, I would say. And I think so this is your first marriage, I would say. <laughs> yeah. In a way, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think but like, that's how business yeah. works, right? You, you get into a marriage and... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you get divorced <laughs> and sometimes you don't. <laughs> what, what is Christian's best quality? Christian's best quality? I think his networking is amazing. 
What, why is he your best friend? Why is he my best friend? I think because I know when I need him, I can just call him and he will be there. I think that's a, that's a very great quality. He won't be with the car because he doesn't have a driver's license, <laughs> but he will come. <laughs> and for you, same question. What, why is Curtis your best friend? He's just really, really good with people. He's like extremely likable. But if you, if you go to his birthday party, like there is that old barber from Almira who is like still like the hood barber, but then also there are, uh, there's a billionaire like entrepreneur or something and he treats them with the same love. And I think that's very, very special. Like I've never seen, and I've learned also a lot from Curtis in that way, like uh, about, I know sometimes, yeah, like the little things, like sending small gifts to somebody that, I know he's very thoughtful, I would say so, yeah. So we are sitting here in your new headquarters, uh, I would say industrial area in the <laughs> southeastern part of Amsterdam. How did you find actually this spot and how many square meters are we talking about here? Well, that's actually a funny story because we had a lease in uh, Narda, which you can see all the boxes that were in it. I think that was 200 square feet and the boxes were too, too full and the artwork were too full. And we we're like, at some point we we're like, shit, this doesn't work anymore because we cannot walk in there. Like, we need some something else. So I started looking just on, on Funda Business for something else. And we're like, yeah, are we going to stay in Narden or are we going back to Omero or where are we going to go? And they were like, no, we have to move the business into Amsterdam because that's where we want to be. And I think that's good for the, the business because a lot of people come here and, and when they fly from all over the world, it's easier to access. So like, okay, let's find this, this place. And I was looking, 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 finally found a spot in the north. Like there was, I think, around 600 square feet or 400 square feet. And then... I waited a day too long and then I, I called them and said like, hey, I want to get the space. And they said like, yeah, it's already gone. So I was like, ah. So then I had to, I had to start look, looking again. And then I found this one. I found it, uh, there was still a renter in, and, uh, but they really needed to go out because they, their business was not doing well anymore. So I said, I'll take it tomorrow if you need it because I really need the space. And it's okay, cool. And then that's how we get the space. And now we're in here, I think four months, and it's 680 square meters, and we can still build a top, and we are planning to hopefully, why the window is in and where you're sitting is, hopefully we can build a nice spot on, on the upstairs where we want to have collectors come and visit. But you no, know, we will definitely stay in Amsterdam because it's like, if for, for me, this is a 10 minute ride, and Christine lives in the same street as uh, I do. We live both in, in the pipe, so we can get here pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, we also live in the same street. Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding. No, he's, I, I, well, actually, I, like, it's a street behind. So he lives at the Albert Cat Market and I live the street behind it. So it's literally two minute walk. And you started like six years ago already. And how would you describe the past six years? Well, I think it's been an amazing journey. We, we yeah, as Christine was saying, we, we came not from our family. I mean, we raised amazingly, but we grew up in Almira, which you have basically not much. You have a lot of things, but not everything. And we... Along the journey, made a lot of new friends, met a new people, uh, created the things uh, we wanted to create, learned a lot about business, made many mistakes, which we are still proud of in a way. If we didn't make them, we wouldn't be the person that we were. Learned each other in a different way. I think, yeah, I think it's been amazing. And I think, as you can see, we, we, started our, we started off basically in the basement of my parents with the first prints, and then we moved to Narden, and now we're in a huge warehouse in Amsterdam. I, I still remember that, that, that when we left Narden, I said to Christian, well, it's actually weird that we leave, leave this and now come here. And he, I, I only saw the space. I was the only one who saw the space and he got in and it's like so huge and so big and see it grow. It's like just amazing. Shall we have a look around then in your studio, in your working place? Let's have a look around. Yes. Happy to show you. 
Well, we're walking downstairs because the upstairs is the Robert Nava space. So we have three Robert Nava paintings over here. Uh, yeah, so I think the first piece uh, you guys see is a Susumu work. So actually what we have done is Susumu is a painter who always paints poodles. Yeah, he loves painting poodles. And we thought like we can make a print out of the, out of the painting he made, but we thought like it's better to make a sculpture. And then we, what we do then is think like, okay, what's the materials we can use? We can make a bronze, a marble, anything. But we thought, okay, what, what would fit best in a way of a poodle? So we did a, a full wood sculpture. And he never, he's not, he never did a sculpture. So it's kind of like the first time he did a sculpture. First ever time. So we came up with the idea, which we discussed with him. And we, we made this poodle, which took us a long time. As you can see, there's a lot of hand finishing in there, like sending down to get the, the right structure. And what we, we've done is he wanted, like we had the prototype, we sent it and he wanted to, to do the final touches on the face of the But it, it also shows, I think, like how, like we really enjoy like the collaborative part with artists. So it's not like, we are a sales platform, we're like a marketing platform, but also really on production. We come up with concepts and, and discuss together with artists and find fabricators. And from there on, we create something that the artists wouldn't create them themselves. And then the studio drift you can see now, as you see the dandy lights all handpicked and uh, added on. And as you can see, studio drift added their signature to the, to the top, right? We think just collecting is also an experience in a way. So we want to just give the, the collector the best experience and not when you buy a print that you get it in a tube rolled up and that you need to put it down to make it flat. But also in this boxing, I think it's very also kind of where we come from as like any generation, like you know, the Apple boxing and yeah. like how we got excited about it or like the Beats by Dre boxing and you, stuff. You spend, a, you spend a lot of money on a, on a piece, then you don't want to get it in a tube. I think it's also around like the aftermarketing. So people, I think you see a lot with makeup brands also with Glossier and stuff. They make the packaging so nice. So people post about it on Instagram. So it lives, it's going to live. Yeah, so when people, when people receive something like this, they're going to post on the story because they're so, I think it's beautiful. And that also is good for the artists because then all the collectors will post about the stories and the collector has also followers from other collectors. So it's kind of like aftermarketing also for the artists and for us, of course. But that's why we spend so much time on, uh, on having really good boxing. Yeah. So at this point, you guys could run Avant Arte from anywhere. Some might certainly ask why you're headquartered here in Amsterdam and not in Berlin or Brussels or, or London. What has made you decide to stay? I think it's at the end of the day, it's our base. Like, I think I love Amsterdam. If you, if you ask me a city, where do you want to live the rest of your life? It would be Amsterdam. Do you guys also have like any mentors, perhaps? Yeah, many, I would say. I think that's kind of... I think especially when you're young, I think, yeah, that's also like a great thing about the roller coasters that you feel when you're really young and passionate and doing something, like there are a lot of like people that want to give you something. I don't know, like there are a lot of people, I think there are a lot of great people in the world and also in the art world. So I think there are a lot of people who are kind of like always trying to help us out and uh, yeah, trying to do introductions or, or give us advice and stuff. So yeah, we have, we have many mentors. We don't listen to everyone. <laughs> Which <laughs> they also like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's not like one person that we listen to that's going to say everything. But I think there are a lot of like great people that we, we listen to and like it, that's in business, but also in art. But, but talking about business, so who would be your example of, I would say, running a well-done business? Um, I think it also goes in different stages. So in the beginning, there are other different people you look up to or that you know and that you meet. I think, I mean, somebody that now I think is pretty important for us, like somebody like Andrew Robb, like he was the CEO of Farfetch, a fashion online fashion business who kind of brought the, the fashion industry online. Uh, and that's, I think, somebody that you can learn a lot for also because the, the success of Farfetch is quite recent. So there are a lot of 
things that happen. It's not like oh, a success story from 20 years ago where all the rules don't count anymore. Uh, and also it wasn't in, it, it is an industry like fashion, what's very, yeah, you can also not disrupt basically. Like it's also a relationship game and you get the old fashion brands online. If you look 10 years or 15 years ago, now I think 10 years ago, what Prada thought about being online, that's kind of the same how some art businesses think right now. Are there any moonshots still in the, um, the pipeline? On the, on the artist side or just in general? Business-wise or in artist yeah, side? I think so. I think like what we really want to do now is what we want to move more in public sculpting. So I think the kind of dream is the public sculpture park, I would say. Yeah, a huge one. Yeah, maybe in Amsterdam. And it's, it's no secret that your turnover has tripled this past year. Quadrupled. <laughs> Quadrupled, sorry. Yeah. You come across as very down-to-earth and humble, but how, how are you feeling with that result? How are you sitting here? How are you going into your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> no, how, how are your egos doing? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that those are doing pretty, pretty good, if I can say it myself. <laughs> but uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, you ask how the feeling is. Yeah, we wanted to build a business that does revenue on a certain level, and, and that's where... It, it now is and we still want to grow it so we're really happy with it but it, i think it's not yeah. not the end goal like we did four times what we did last year and the year before we did that also and trying to do that that hopefully in the next few years as far as we can get it <laughs> i think the the most important thing for us is that we always like to do the collectors and artists first and we want to make the nicest additions as possible and if that's that's not about uh, the amount of revenue that's in it's more about what can we bring out i think yeah. we're more proud of the additions we've done in the in the past years than on the revenue side yeah but i think on revenue it's definitely it is a result from doing really great work right so i think if you like we have a lot of repeat collectors that buy a lot like we just, I just saw somebody that bought the 50s 50s edition from us like one collector uh, and we have quite a few of those. So we have a lot of repeat customers. And let's say something indeed about Curtis saying is like about treating the collector right and treating the artist right. So they want to do, I mean, with Elwin and Drug said, we're going to do something again this year also. So if you treat them really well, they're going to do more with you and you sign new artists and collectors, they talk good about you. But the revenue is definitely a result of of the, t the decisions you make. And uh, and the things you do, but also about my birthday <laughs> is uh, like we have never taken money out of the company. So it's not like we put everything back in the company. I think we now have around 30 employees and around the end of the summer it will be 50. So we are really, I mean, we're going all in basically. <laughs> so I think that's always the kind of the trick. <laughs> Trying to be <laughs> with the right to person to yeah, get yeah, the yeah. right introduction. Exactly. Have yeah. a nice uh, introduction. Yeah. I hear you talk about, you know, the playfulness about your business, I think, in a way. And one of the things I saw on your website said you try to conduct business as if your parents are watching. What is that about? I think it's just like, at the end of the day, this is like, I mean, the world is getting online and people talk about disrupting the art world and stuff, but it's still a relationship game, I think. So kind of what we've been saying around art is that are becoming more friends and stuff. And I think you just have one reputation. So you kind of need to do business if like if your parents are watching. And so I think that's kind of like the idea is like we need to do business and like don't screw people over or being nice and polite to people because in the end it's about the long term for us and not about like some short wins. It sounds like you have a good relationship also with your parents in that matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a different conversation. <laughs> no, pretty good relationship. No, no, just we have a good relationship with parents. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we had a really. I mean, we always joke about it, like we don't come from like this upbringing of like a rich family or like how where most people in the art world come from. And we actually had like a really great youth 
where we have been raised right, I think. And you guys played in a soccer team together, right? Yes. That's how you met. Years, years and years ago. I used to play with his little, little brother so in, in the same club, so that's how we know each other. So taking a step back, every article and there are many about you mentions your love for Jay-Z and Kanye, a uh, love I share. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask about another shared love, the public library. Apparently, you went to the library to study art while your family thought you were going to school to study business economics. I'm forgetting at this moment whether it was Christian or... <laughs> yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> or your parents just don't know you did the same thing. <laughs> That's not what it is. He actually uh, finished it. I finished my school. So. <laughs> so describe your typical day during that period. Yeah, I mean, it was not like that I was going to the library because I enjoyed it so much. It was more... I was like a typically like regular, super lazy student. So I think it was after high school. So I was just waking up probably around 10 or something. And then I needed to find a place to hide. And then I went to the library in Elmira. So I came there around 11 or something. And then you need to kind of do something, right? Because you cannot, I mean, yeah, there was nothing to do. So then you find like all these books. I mean, it's quite amazing, the library, to be honest. Like it's, a, it's an amazing place and it's free also. So I think for a lot of people who are always starting to complain about how do I get successful or whatever, I mean, just go to the library and just find it out. I mean, there are so many books, there are so many things you can learn about. And then I went there and just starting to read about like architecture or like about art or and sometimes music. But yeah, just like reading there and then doing lunch around 12 or something. Tosti. <laughs> and then, yeah, 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 like a Tosti in the library. And then you stay there till like three, four, five or something, and then you go back home, and then your parents think you went to school. I mean, you can so easily, I think even more easily than with the internet, like find new things. Like you can, you can just walk in now, and you can learn about, I don't know, Jimi Hendrix, or you can learn about Jean Nouvel, or like, I don't know, this is so easy to do. I think more people should do it, to be honest. Well, unless you're in New York, I think a lot of people enjoy going to the library there. So perhaps we need some bigger or better architecture for libraries. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the one in Almira again, like like we also talk a lot of bad shit about Almira, but the great thing is the library, the architecture of the library is really great. It is like it's one of the most beautiful places in Almira. Like I think it's kind of not famous for it, but it's, and it's also middle in the middle of the. They got one of the best li libraries in the Netherlands. Yeah, I think it's also four or five stories. It's really yeah. really really huge. So on your LinkedIn profiles, you self-identify yourself as founders. And now you have like an angle investor and even a CEO. These are terms for the tech world, not the art world. Do you feel more affinity with Silicon Valley or with Chelsea and Mayfair? Mm, somewhere in between. I would say more Silicon Valley than Mayfair or like than Chelsea, to be honest. And more and more, like we just hired a tech team who was very tech. <laughs> we're, yeah, mm -hmm. we're more focused now like on, on it. I think it's indeed maybe in the middle. I find I find it I find more confident in Silicon Valley. I mean, I've never been in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <but> I find, <laughs> I find right. myself it's more confident, to be honest, like in that place than in Chelsea. Like when I walk in Chelsea, I'm like, fuck, like are we? This is huge. I don't know. I've like so much like respect for I don't know what people do in Chelsea that I think I find more confident in in Silicon Valley in a way. Perhaps the um, the need of entrepreneurship and also to experiment like on yeah, high level. I think so. I think like the. What you see a lot in Silicon Valley is a lot of like copy-paste businesses from people that came from Harvard or Stanford. So they come from like really big schools and they have like the best network, they can easily get funding, or they're just ex-employees from Google, and mostly also studied at Stanford or something. And those people, those really, really smart people, they find it really hard to get in the art world because 
it don't work like that. You cannot copy, raise a lot of money and then splash it and then disrupt the whole art world. It doesn't work. So I think that's why I think we feel very confident there because I think we found something that they cannot copy. And in the art world, I think it's more, it's, it's really built on legacy. So I think if you have represented it, Carrie James Marshall 10 years ago, then you're kind of fine. Or like artists want to work with you and stuff. So I think, I think probably that's where it comes from is the, that to build up that legacy, I think is really challenging and just takes a lot of patience. Yeah, and the old art worlds, I think, also build their entrepreneurship more on relationships. And I think you guys yeah. also, like Silicon Valley, are willing to take the risk yeah. to invest, I would say, and to stand out among the crowd, I would say. Yeah, that's why we said about the turnovers, that we, we reinvest everything into our business. To This is quite unique, I would say, at least we're in the, the Dutch art world. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, you, you, you mentioned turnover. You don't publish sales figures, but I can do math, and I've... I've Last night with a pen and, and a napkin, I tried to sort of guesstimate your your turnover. And especially now that you say it's quadrupled, it's larger than all but one or two of the Amsterdam galleries, one of the biggest art businesses in the country. When I mention you guys at dinner parties or, or other sort of art world events, I often get blank stares. Why do you think that is? Well, I... I think our, our business is mostly also like when we built it, it was built online and worldwide. Like we haven't built it for the Netherlands, so I think that could be one of our reasons. I think if you if we go to the packaging today of the people that we send to, like they go worldwide, they go to to China, Japan, Venezuela, name any any country in the world, they go everywhere. I think that's a very polite answer because in many other fields, if a Dutch company succeeds internationally, it gets celebrated, right? We're proud of. Dutch export sort of businesses. But somehow there's still some resistance to what you guys are doing specifically in the Dutch art world. I mean, it's, it's bizarre that in New York, everyone knows who you are, but in Amsterdam, they don't. Which is also funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get what you, you say, but yeah, I don't know, maybe... Maybe it's competition can yeah. also be, I don't know. I think you're right, like we never, I've never been invited to one dinner of like a Dutch... I, I invited you to a dinner once, you didn't show up, but oh, that's yes, a different yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> but if you invite us for an opening, we will come to your, like, because we don't know you, we come for your gallery. But I think I think the thing is like, yeah, maybe... Uh, True. Maybe it's a more of a competition feel and they don't, yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't accept us, maybe <laughs> they don't I mean, like it, I don't know. Never thought of it. Uh, but maybe it's competition in yeah. like I know what you're saying. Like if you're like the biggest, and maybe it's a little bit annoying that our two guys from Amira are the they are the biggest or getting the respect or working with artists they want to work with. I don't know. You're too modest to name drop yourselves, but you know, as, as as we said, people in New York know who you are. To give our listeners an idea, your circle includes Diane von Furstenberg, Norman Foster, Klaus Biesenbach, Kenny Schachter, Hans Ulrich Oberst, Lukas Werner. Not to mention the list of artists you've worked with, Sai Guo Chang, Jenny Holzer just made an addition, a fabulous jar of condoms. When Johan Koenig was in Amsterdam, he visited three places. One of them was Avant Art headquarters. Do you ever have to pinch yourself and make sure you're not dreaming? Yeah, but on this, like sometimes you're like, whoa, like this person knows my name or like this person answered my email. That's still sometimes indeed that you kind of need to pin yourself. Already from the beginning, we kind of started like hanging out with those people and those people started to introduce us to other people and stuff. I mean, especially somebody like, yeah, Hans Zurich Obrist, for example, and Norman Forster, there were already people that kind of, in a way, discovered us in 2017. And yeah, I think we had back in the day when we spoke to them, not even like 
yeah under a hundred thousand followers and we're all yeah and i think it's also it is definitely a lesson also i was like recently he was with like one of our interns and was doing drinks with somebody from the art world and i asked that person she was a woman and she also made it from nothing to to something and i was asked her like oh what can you tell the intern he named squabs i said what can you tell Quops? like what's your biggest lesson like to kind of make an artist she was like and i found it such a good answer she was you need to go directly to the top because that's where the people are open-minded and that's where the people are going to help you instead of thinking like oh i need to go from this person to this person and build it up because that person a little bit above you is, is insecure and wants to keep that place it's a very that's kind of how the world works so you need to go directly to the top and those people are open-minded and they are secure of themselves and they they want to help you up just go just go <laughs> just go to new york and just go to london and just go to the most like most interesting, uh, most powerful person and become friends with them. I mean, that's really easy, easily said, but those people are more welcoming. And if they are going to do the introductions, then you can kind of what I was just saying around like networking and stuff. Like if Hanzuri is going to pitch you to an artist, it's way better than if you do it yourself. That's some good advice. Yeah. I'm very happy you listened to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys also, I would say, hang out in your, in your spare time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what would you do in Amsterdam then? What would be your... I think we do some breakfast. <laughs> We're gonna hang out with friends. It depends on the weather, of course. Good weather. I mean, may like going maybe now to the Bruce Nauman show at the Stedelijk. I went actually, and there was such, such a huge line that yeah. I like I, I bu bought my ticket and I went, and the line was so huge. I was like, hell no, I'm gonna wait in this line. It was like from from the Stedelijk until like the Moko Museum was the line for to get in. And I haven't seen that in, in the Stedelijk for a while. So like, and then we're gonna play some football in Oosterpark. Oosterpark. They have a nice field, so we're gonna play some football there. And then we're gonna shower. Then we're gonna do I think a dinner with friends. And then I mean maybe that's that's enough for the day. I don't know if you want to go out also, but uh, <laughs> that's probably enough. Yeah. Well, Joost and I, we actually met through Young Stegelijk because also at the moment I'm an ambassador. Uh -huh. And we know you prefer to keep your distance a little bit, I would say, to the formal Amsterdam art world. Largely because the both of you have been very welcoming and you've been proven you don't need it. But what would you take for us, for us, you to join the Young Stegelijk? I, I was an ambassador. I, wa I was really? an ambassador, yeah. I'm still a member. Yeah. You're members? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I, I doubt it of, 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 because I never, I'm sorry, but I never attend any of the events because I... I don't know, they asked us a few times to also think, like, what do you think? And we gave some ideas of what we think. No, yeah, I think the problem with, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I think the problem with Young Stedelijk, I think also why I'm not an ambassador anymore, is because it's so separate from the Stedelijk. And I, I love the Stedelijk, but I think uh, if I would, like, be the ambassador, I want to have, like, some serious conversations and, like, not influence, but I, I want to, I think the Stedelijk has done pretty, pretty bad, like, the, the last few years, to be honest. And I think they need to listen more to, <laughs> to different voices. And I would like to be one of those different voices. And if I can't be one of those different voices, then I rather like not gonna be part of it. So what would it take for me to bring to bring you in in that matter? I know I would want to show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, curate our own art show. No, like seriously, I think No, seriously, within the state look to create and, and show yeah, with you guys? Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's the dream. But I think Having conversations with people who, who are making decisions, I think, for the Stedelijk, I think it's a really great museum. I think it has a really great brand. So I think if you talk to people outside of Amsterdam, you say, I'm from Amsterdam, or the Stedelijk Museum. And you're asking, what's the last time you went to the Stedelijk Museum? And then it's like longer than 10 years ago. So it's like, it's really popular for people that don't go. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, that's a Stedelijk. That, that should be the slogan. Yeah. Yeah. When you have your next meeting, really popular for people who yeah. don't go. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but you have those things are the same with like some magazines, right? Everybody, oh, that's my favorite magazine, and nobody reads it. Like, like art for art for. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. What's it. a really good? Or like, what's the really good like YouTube like Nounens? It's like yeah. amazing, but nobody watches it because otherwise it has more views. Same with the stay look, right? It has not been the museum that what it has. I think been is like very. How do you say it? Like foreseeing, like doing shows that other museums will do ten years later or something. I think after Beatrix Roof left, I think the shows have been very average. And I think not what I kind of would like for the Stalic to be is that if there's freeze artwork in London, that people from America go to London and then the week after they go to Amsterdam or they go the weekend, because then there is a big show in Amsterdam or like there's somebody that everybody wants wants to see. And that's not happening now. There is not happening that the whole art world circus is coming to Amsterdam to see art here. What is your perspective on the Amsterdam art scene? Uh, my perspective on it? Yes. Well, I, as Christine was saying, I think we always have the, the vision of Amsterdam as the city where you have the, the Rijksmuseum and the Stedelijk Museum. But at the end of the day, what was the biggest show they've done the last 10 years? Nothing really. They could have done, they, they could have think out of the box. They could have made something huge. They could have taken, even if they, of course, they don't want to be a sellout and they want to not do a certain name, but they can grab like a really famous, famous artist, which puts a lot of people in there and create a great show, but they have never done it. So if I would be the mayor of Amsterdam, I would create like, let, oh, us, let, us, let us create this crazy <laughs> sculpture park. That was the first thing I would do. And then the second thing I would do, I would, I would create like the, the craziest show there is with like some, some huge names in order to get all these people in and put Amsterdam on the map again. I think like the, the Tate canceled the Philip Gosten show. The, Something like so that. So I think like the Stadex should have yeah. done that show. Yeah, they should have taken it. Like the moment yeah. they heard like Philip Gaston was was cancelled, bam, take it. Doesn't matter. We take it. <laughs> yeah. Then you then you showcase like we're Amsterdam. We don't we like of course there was things that happened, but we don't care about it. Like pff, this is what we do. Come I think to that's us, what we the do. Should, should, yeah, should be. Uh, it should be show a bit of courage. You know. That's yeah, and it's just a little bit yeah. courage when other museums like the Tate Modern want to play woke when like they do. They, I mean, it was ridiculous. So I think I think yeah, I think that's like yeah, an example. I would say besides the, the contemporary world also has some challenges, I would say, in that matter, because at the current moment, 97% of the art market is represented by male artists. Yeah. I think some work needs to be done up there. Is it something you feel engaged towards? I think I think there was a particular moment, like to be completely honest, in 2018 when we started this, or 2017 when we started doing editions, that we, we just signed every artist that said yes, basically. So we were not thinking about diversity at all at that time. And then... And then I think it was early 2018, we're like, oh, like you're looking at the roster, or you get some feedback from people, like, oh, a lot of males. In the beginning, you become defended, right? So you are like, yeah, but I just choose what I like, we just, we just like. And then you're starting to realize, like, I mean, you're not going to build a next, the new, like, art world brand of the new age with all white artists. Like, then you go to the Rijks Museum, right? <laughs> so we were really conscious of it in 2018 and really started to work hard on it and prioritizing it. Uh, and that's the same thing, I think, also where the Stalic should have been 10 years ahead on diversity. And I think they are not. I mean, maybe they're catching up right now. We told them also like a few years ago, yeah. like, do something like that. Do a, do a Kerry James Marshall do a show, do a Basquiat show. Do a, name anybody who's like influential and brings different people, do it. You know, what's, why are you not doing it? And they like... But we were, we were very critical at State yeah. Museum, but we talk so critical because we love it. It's kind yeah. of the same like Ajax, right? Like we're always <laughs> complaining about the new striker they get on and stuff because we love it so much. So It's the Amsterdam, so you can always complain and everything. <laughs> that's that's the, the Amsterdam thing. 
Uh, has, has anyone ever flown to Amsterdam just to see you guys? Yeah, many times actually. It uh, happens, well now, I can give you one example. There was a Japanese collector of ours who, he's, the, he's one of the persons that buys every edition of us and he really flew towards here to see some of our editions and how we work and uh, he really loves it. And people from Germany and England and in Europe, they come every now and then. Yeah, you see it now with the car sculpture. So people who want to visit the car sculpture and they're also going to visit us. And they're, fr they're friends, so they, they come and like we yeah. show, like what we normally do with, with collectors when they come, they, they come here, we show their space and it takes a, like it takes maximum an hour. And then we go into the city, have a nice drink, show them the city. Where, where do you take them for a drink? I normally go, to, I love to go to the consultorium because I think the space is uh, amazing and a lot of people love that. So that's why, uh, and it's close Depends to the Depends on the person. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so maybe this is the point where you will <laughs> teleport to the conservatorium quickly. So guys, you took us here to the Conservatorium Hotel, one of your favorite places. Uh, tell us a little bit about the architecture we're seeing around us and why is this one of your favorite places? Sometimes Christian and I uh, started Avondarte and we had to go to a meeting. We always, uh, as our enjoyment of Amsterdam, we, uh, we went to the conservatorium and uh, sit down here and look at the books and look at the, the place and the environment. And that's basically why I think... And Nantje, a really great <laughs> Nantje sculpture really? in the Where? front. Yeah, yeah. that's a really nice Nantje, yeah. <laughs> That's really inspiring. No, no, but uh, no, that's really the the. No, I think I love all the yeah. yeah. I mean, personally, I yeah, especially the interior. I mean, the architecture, but like all the details are just right. Like they all make sense and stuff. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, definitely my favorite hotel in Amsterdam. Could you describe a little bit about the architecture we're seeing here? Because our listeners are not part here of our scenery. Um, it's it's really really high ceilings, and it kind of feels like a really old building with uh, high glass. ceilings with a lot of glass so you feel like you sit outside but also inside uh, and I would say yeah there's a really beautiful tree nice, in nice the middle books. nice trees yeah there are really great books uh, I think they're couch. all done by Mendo but I don't see your own book that we did by <laughs> Mendo here uh, but maybe that's because they're sold out or something I don't know um, but um, yeah it's just beautiful and then um, yeah, you have basically two spaces like one is a lounge space where you also can work and then you have another space where, where it's more the restaurant and where you can uh, can eat and, and drink a little. And then you also have a bar in the end of the, the hotel where you can do drinks. But especially if you walk inside from uh, from the street uh, yeah. there, if you walk inside and you see the first view, it's just like a really beautiful view because you're a little bit higher. And I mean, you say you say high ceilings. Uh, that's an understatement. It's the full height of, of the building, sort of four double story stories. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that is? Like 20 meters high, at yeah. least? Something like that. Um, yeah, four stories. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I also imagine back in the day, there was something aspirational about the two of you hanging out here. Yeah. Like in the early days of Avant Arte, like now you move in spaces like this all the time. Yeah, it was But you know, in the early days, it, yeah. it, it really hurt when you ordered a shoot it and it was nine <laughs> euros. But besides that, it was uh, also a good, uh, good feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, this is like where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of yeah, the future you imagined for yourself in exactly, a way. Yeah. yeah, it still uh, hurts the nine euros uh, shoot runs, but it's, <laughs> it's nice though. But, but when you're abroad, do you also choose your hotels in a sense that they also collect art or they have some kind of, you know... No, I think uh, to be honest, like, we're just trying to stay 
humble in a way, just trying to book cheap hotels where possible. I mean, of course, you need to have like good enough hotels that you can take your rest and 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 have the good Wi-Fi and stuff like that. But we never are really going to the Chateau Mamons or the. We don't uh, sleep there, but we go there, <laughs> yeah. and that's something different, I guess. <laughs> but like we don't, uh, we we just try to because we travel a lot, and also, I mean, in a way, you said. Um, uh, people also in the team look up to you or like look at what you guys are doing and I think if you just show if you give the example to people like don't overpay on like hotels and stuff then I think it's also a good sign to the whole team now one of the things I really would like to ask you because it's a question of our listeners is what kind of Instagram accounts would you recommend you follow uh, just to have a little bit more of your own I would say um, what are the trends in the art world or what kind of, what kind oh, of art Oh, interesting. I think it really indeed depends like where you want to go for like, do you want to like, know a little bit more about collecting art or do you want to follow, you need like... Yeah, do you want to follow collectors? Hard. Do you want to follow artists? Uh, well, perhaps artists. How do you find your artists? Which kind of Instagram accounts do you... Well, I think on, on artists, um, we get like we talk to a lot of people we get sent a lot of things we see a lot of things ourselves we research i think or explorer page on ourselves is like we get art through the instagram algorithm a lot and we also look on other platforms to find it so i think like an interesting tip for like if you want to really find like young artists that you would like to kind of try to buy early on like i think a good tip is like use the location tag and just go to all the kind of like big art school or like famous art schools so yale art school uh, the chicago uh Cooper Union, uh, RISD, go to the location tag, and then you can see all the peop- all the pe- all the artists that are on those schools. They're posting about the work, and they use the location tag. So then you can can quite easily see what are the young kind of artists that are making work, and from there when you can see, oh, that's cool, and then you can follow the artists already when they're in school. That's a good tip. And and broader art art world Instagram accounts. What are like the top five accounts that you guys? follow and look to for inspiration like you got for the memes you got like jerry gagosian <laughs> yeah that's always good <laughs> so that you can kind of learn really how fun. the art world is in a way that one's quite good i mean yeah i think so and then you got i think jerry salts i find him quite annoying sometimes but he is all i mean you learn a little bit how the art world is like by following him uh, i don't find everybody annoying uh but uh the next one he does <laughs> Uh, I think Hans Zurich is always like really good. Like you can also learn a little bit about like what are the people, what they are doing, learning. Uh, and then another one, a real art account. I mean, for, uh, you know, Archie, you will see like a lot of, um, yeah, you will see a lot of art that was going on in the art world. Totally different question. Um, you guys are young. I don't know if you guys party. You just mentioned some partying. <laughs> nightlife, cool. nightlife in Amsterdam. Spots I mean, uh, not for that. <laughs> Obviously not you now, but... Gotta support the, the, the friends at the Chin Chin Club. <laughs> They're friends and uh, who else do we... Uh... We are not, we, but we are also not like party, part, like real party uh, guys. Like we don't do drugs. We don't... Uh, no, I'm not don't ju- like a joke. You're, like you're in bed by 11 p.m. every <laughs> night. I get it. I get no, it. but... I, I, I know your parents are listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they won't probably. But uh, I think that the thing where to go party... Uh, we, If we go to a party, it's even either an opening of, of something that could be a shop or anything, or it's going to a, something that a, host, a friend hosts. We want a new space now also in Amsterdam. In Work the city. So maybe we're going to do a party there. Because when people come from New York or whatever, or like from, from any city in the world, like they need to come to Amsterdam and they need to visit like some of those locations. 
of like they go to the conservatorium or they need to go to a friend's daily paper or they need to go to Mendo or, or, they, Pata or, or Pata, yeah. but they also need to come to us. And I think we don't have that space now because it's a little bit outside the city. So we want to have, we need like a flagship yeah. kind of loft kind of space. Uh, you you ask about, uh, about party, but it's not only about party, but about drinks. So a nice drink at a certain place where you can make feel comfortable and have an environment where you can indeed like see cigar uh, lounge yeah. cigar lounge cigar kind of. lounge type of uh, yeah because I think I have an understanding that you guys really like to bring people together yeah like this is something that really bounds you also within your no, art that's, scene that's the whole thing I think um, I think if you make a place where people feel comfortable and like to come then it's easier for people to make connections perhaps you both have a specific question to our audience my question to the audience would be like if it's about like Amsterdam and, and the art the art the art world in, in Amsterdam, like what what is a city we should take as an example uh, that we can learn from? Uh, That's a very good question. Right, like because it's it's like we can easily say okay we like, we want to do what New York is doing, but it's such a different country and and there's so much money there. So what is another city? that we should look at and see like, hey, that has kind of similarities with the Netherlands or with Amsterdam and what can we learn from them? And also we've been looking through your website and it looks like the only Dutch artist you've been working with is Studio Drift. Can you tell us a little bit more about this collaboration? Yeah, so it's kind of like coming from, from a friendship started that and we met in Amsterdam actually. And he was also playing in that same field, like they're represented by Pace Gallery and like, yeah, also going to all those, knows a lot of the same people like in, in the international art world. And then, yeah, we always talked about like doing something and then they, it went really well. We, they created like something like really beautiful, some of our more, most like tech way additions in a way. Yeah. Are there any favorite restaurants you would like to visit? Yeah, we like, actually we went two weeks ago to one of our favorites, it's called Umeno. It's the, I think the best of the best of the best sushi, sushi there is yeah. in Amsterdam. And you can, it's really hard, not hard to get in, but you cannot really re make a reservation. You can, like you can call and sometimes the guy picks up and sometimes he doesn't. And you need to uh, take out your shoes to uh, sit on the table. And, and it's in a normal street. Yeah, right? it's, it's like in a random place. Like, and you wouldn't see it from the outside. And the guy's called Atsu and he's like with his son and he has five places to sit and that's it. And he makes a sushi uh, on the spot. This is a good time to remind our listeners that we have a website, www.artcityamsterdam.com, and everything we discussed today will be linked there. So if you want to know where the sushi spot is, go to our website. And if you want to go to a place which is more open to just walk in, you should, you should go to Undercover, which is at the Wieboudstraat. It's a really good sushi place as well, and they, do, they have a whole sake bar, and really like that one. He really started as a student in his own, I would say, own flat. Yeah. It's really amazing. Uh, yeah, I think his sushi is really great. And I think <laughs> one of my friends owns uh, Lolita. So <laughs> we also go to lunch <laughs> in Lolita a lot of times just because it's on the corner. And uh, and if we have to take a client to a really special, special dinner, but that happens only uh, every now and then, we go to Antepool because that's uh, just amazing. That's actually in Amstelveen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, close by. Quite yeah, it's like uh, 20 minutes. Unknown within, within Amsterdam, but it's a really amazing place. Also, you have a very nearby vineyard. Oh, really? I didn't really know. nice to go there as well. Are there any other artists based in Amsterdam or yeah. Netherlands you would like to so work with? So Moonshot, Malenduma. <laughs> <laughs> and like on young artists, I think we're going to do something with Kevin Bray. Uh, he's a really young artist. I think he's really, really talented. And then the other artist, it's funny, I met her like a couple months ago. She was still in the Rijk Studios, Henda Samir. 
artist from Egypt. And it's funny, like yesterday she won the Royal Painting Prize. And yeah, when I went to her studio, I was like, yeah, and she's so, so, so good. Which is actually, we did not the Dutch artist, but we just did something with Lord, who is also in, in Amsterdam. Oh yeah, Lord is in Amsterdam. He's coming from Ghana, indeed, like he's here. And we're going to do something with Nia oh, from your gallery, by the way. He's in Amsterdam. Neo Matlocha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Neo Matlocha. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's launching soon, right? Nice. Yeah, so I was wondering, yeah, do you collect art yourself? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, some so if you look around, then uh, <laughs> this one is mine. There's a Robert Nava painting, and he's also he's my favorite artist. And it's quite a special story. But like, yeah, I met him when he was still like a truck driver. Basically. Christian loves to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was still a truck driver around uh, around that time, uh, and he's now one of the biggest contemporary artists. I would say he's been picked up by a really big gallery, Pace Gallery. And some of his paintings are going to like some really, really big museum collections and stuff. And like everybody wants to have his work now. But also seeing that kind of journey of like an artist who was like not a full-time artist at that time. And then now becomes really big. It's just like really, yeah, it's more than just some like oil on canvas. Like it's just like it has such a deeper meaning because it's, it's a friendship and it's like a story. I think that's also the way that uh, for myself how I'm more collect is that Every piece has to have a story. Not only the artwork has to, to be there, but it has to have a story to it as well. It just has a deeper impact. Yeah, I think it's a very emotional thing, yeah. like collecting art indeed. Like it's, once Safi Hufkins told me, like it's after sex is probably the most intimate thing, is like buying an artwork. I, w I would advise to like start off with prints and, and get your <laughs> feeling around prints and then move into what you, what you really like. Because you can start really, really early on and make some, not mistakes, but learn along the way how you collect. So what was the first artwork you ever bought? Ooh, the first artwork I ever bought, I think it was, not, I don't know if I could call it the artwork, but I called, I bought the skate decks of Basquiat. That was the first kind of piece that I bought. And then I think the first real, real piece I bought like was a mono print of Josh Schmidt. But I think, I think it's quite funny indeed like around the skateboard because I think that's quite like how a lot of like, I think that's why we know our audience so well because I think it's a lot of how new young people start collecting art. It's through toys, it's through skateboards, it's through fashion, it's through... I would say like my first art was kind of like, it was a t-shirt from Ref Simmons with Sterling Ruby or something. So, and I treated that as like a real art piece. Like, and you buy it on secondary market and you, you keep it and you don't wear it and stuff. And I think that's the collector mindset. And you, you collect yourself? Yeah, I do collect as well. My last piece actually I bought was from Kiris Kensmill. I don't know whether you heard no. of her. She was actually one of the representatives in the Venice Biennale 2019 for the Dutch Pavilion. No, I have seen that one. And I don't, I wouldn't say I collect, but you know, in, in my line of work, you occasionally end up owning some artwork. But I was also wondering, because you might have also something on your wish list in regards to art collection. Is there still some kind of artwork you really would like to have? Uh, I want a condo in my condo. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think I think we we started indeed with like George Kona that's got us into art. So it's kind of again like it's a story. There's like one artist I've met and that I was like, whoa, this guy, he's a genius. Like, where does this come from? And he, two years ago, he died also. And uh, it's called Matthew Wong. And I think like he's such a great painter. But also when I met him, I was like. I met him a couple of times and just like completely obsessed by the way how he was thinking and how he, I don't know, he's just such, such an interesting person. 
and uh, yeah, I would love to. Oh, I mean, it just it just also be, after he died, his work got like really really expensive, so it's kind of impossible. I don't know if it's like, I don't know would ever want to spend so much money on a painting, but that's definitely more something I regret that I didn't buy it at that time. How how, how did you meet him? Because now lots of people know his work, but if you say you met him a couple of times before he died, how did that? Yeah, I met him. It was it was at a, like a typical art world dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and Jen Goody, Jennifer Goody, uh, who was also an artist, like said like, "Oh, have you already met this kid? Like, he's a genius." And she introduced me to him, and I met him, and then we went to a party, also like for this very art world with Chateau Maman was like the party, and uh, I was there with him and a couple of my friends, and we were speaking, and he knew everything, like he knew like what my friend T-shirt was wearing four years ago when they even didn't know each other. He knew every Facebook comment of what we have posted. Like he knew everything and he looked at you. He was talking with you, but he was not looking at you. So you're thinking like, he's he's not listening to me, but he knew every word that you were saying. And he had such a deep understanding of art history and how he wanted to be part of art history and like what was his way to get in. And I remember when I met him, I was, walk I was walking down with my friends and I never saw his painting before. And I was like, even if it's just a white canvas, I need to buy it. Like this guy, he's a genius. I think great art, and especially great artists, they look, let you look different to things in life. And he was somebody like that. Looking at you guys, you sort of have the Silicon Valley look down. You're sitting here in very casual outfits. <laughs> but there's also like a, a touch of, of sort of insider streetwear. And I know you guys actually used to sell streetwear, yeah, fund your studies, uh, you know, instead of working at a bar. <laughs> we did also work there, but... And any streetwear spots in Amsterdam that people should see if they're into that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, let me first tell the story about uh, the streetwear stuff, what we did. Actually, there was a store in Almira which we knew had a, had a brand called Palace. And back in the day, years ago, Palace wasn't big in, in the Netherlands, but it was big in America because I think Ace of Rocky was one of the persons who made it big and were, were, actually wear jeans of them right now. But So we went to that store and we knew that, that they, the skate stores, I think it's not there anymore, but the skate store sold Palace. So we actually bought the Palace tees in discount over there. Then we put it on grilled and that's how we get the money to fund our, uh, our living, basically. And to go back on your question on what to visit in, in Amsterdam, uh, one of our friends in, uh, is doing something amazing called OR Gallery. I cannot pronounce it, but it's in the... OR Gallery? It's in the Spiegelstraat. It's really amazing. They sell uh, Casablanca and some Japanese brand, and it's a three-story space, which is like when you walk in, you, you, yeah, you feel welcome directly. I think that's where I would tell people to go. In the opening, they had Nigo come over to open the store, so they have like did a pretty big opening. But I think in, even in Amsterdam, it's not really well known. And I think if I have to, uh, this is more a male-based store. But if I have to advise uh, somebody, if females, to go to a really great streetwear store, I would go to Maha. So, guys, we are already reaching the end of our conversation. Thank you both for inviting us into your space. Thank you for the wonderful conversation that we had, and most of all, I think we are more more proud of the fact that you are making Amsterdam look really good. So thank you for what you're doing for our city. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our podcast. 
We thank the Jazz Orchestra of the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam for our podcast tune, Blues for the Date by Peter Bates. Please check out the rest of their amazing album, Blues for the Date, on Spotify. Art City Amsterdam is produced by Studio Balsam and Stevenson. We are your hosts, Joost Bosland and Rubia Balsam. See you in Amsterdam!